This is Leisha Holmes and I'm your host on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast brought to you by Hoxo Media and I'm really thrilled and excited to welcome to our channel today someone that I've known for a very very long time I dread to think how long actually this is Richard Gagan who is the founder and CEO of We Are Adam Recruitment welcome to you today how are you Richard? I'm very well thank you Leisha yeah thank you very much likewise for uh, having me on it's been a, I've watched it from afar and I'm very very impressed so uh, oh, thank you. Today I'm delighted to be here. Well, it's, I, I dread to think when that first night was when I met you and Leon, when you were in your previous company of Michael Page and I was at FIFA Jones, we were at an awards ceremony and I think it was a very drunken affair. It was probably about 20 years ago. Scary. At least it's got to be. Yeah, got yeah. to be. Wow. Pre-children, pre pre-children and setting up our own businesses. So I've obviously admired greatly what you've done with your brand and, you know, just even the, the name of the company, I always thought it just made you always stand out as something very different. But I think what's really remarkable over the last 12 months is what you've done in terms of your, um, the, um, the future of work series. So I want to, you know, give us an overview of the business we are, Adam, and then talk to us about that specifically and what you've achieved for your market. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, certainly as a business, we're 14 years old. We, we launched primarily, as you say, my previous employer was a great business for marketing sales. That's what we came, kind of came from. But there's a real pull factor. I always wanted to run my own business. So we launched Adam. And the kind of catchphrase, we were a very small, different business. It was get to know us from Adam. Very, very personable. And all our candidates and clients do literally do that. And we live by that mantra. Um, but when we hit COVID and, and sort of a year ago, we, we looked at basically how, how is everybody and our candidates, our clients, what are all the problems that people are going through? And we thought we can just sort of talk about it informally, or we can actually try and bring some value back to, to, to everybody, particularly because we're going to be quiet. We could just see that, you know, work had kind of dropped off the cliff a little bit. So mm. we um, we just started to research what was what was travel, what was commute like, and what were office, offices, you know, how were they affected? And the idea was really just to start a piece off to say how well have we adapted, share things that some of our clients had done, so other people who may be struggling to adapt could, could see that. And it just kind of um, blossomed and mushroomed from there, really. So um, it's been fascinating because we've kind of been in the middle of it. So we've mm. seen all the kind of troubles people have gone to. We've seen some great success stories. And pro probably the first thing was, was how fast everybody reacted. Unbelievable mm. in terms yeah. of just adapting tech, businesses, all that sort of stuff. Because I did expect every business to stop hiring for a while just to get used to mm. remote working. It just seems a logical thing. And nobody did, really. No. Well, some no. did, but by and large people just cracked on which is amazing i was going to say it's almost like a polarization wasn't it of those that froze that just locked everything down and those that thought right that now's our chance to adapt were you finding that I mean, we were, were your clients in your sectors resistant to remote working and using technology or were they already on that trajectory do you think i think uh, certainly digital businesses service-based businesses seem to adapt really quick they had mm -hmm. the tech most people had already gone into the cloud and i think that's the biggest challenge for most people and then the kind of quick move to we're working from home, it was kind of forced on us. And it, I think everybody I know who owns a business said it's actually the best way to make it happen was just actually we didn't have any choice. Yeah, and it's quite it's a good lesson for other projects is actually that that does make things happen really quickly. If you just say we don't have any choice, just crack mm -hmm. on. Um, however, there were loads of examples where I've got great businesses who are big manufacturing companies, multi-site, yeah. you know, a lot of their staff actually can't work from home. They are literally mm -hmm. in the factory and therefore their management has to be based there. And therefore, a lot of the actual sort of, if you like, stuff that could be done from home wasn't. So mm -hmm. they probably took longer. Um, and then I heard stories of like law firms and people we work with who I think arguably they could have done it quicker. But mm -hmm. through various kind of processes, they were just nervous to adapt to that. But yeah, by and large, absolutely amazing. 
and that's the great thing and that you know apart from the fact that we've known each other as long as we have and you know I, I admire you greatly personally and professionally from from afar literally at the moment I think you you are in a similar way that we recruit across all recruitment sectors you do recruit across a number of different industries so your perspective within the future of work series is is quite remarkable it's quite a privileged position to be in and you talk about you know specific success stories and I'm always even for our audience about sharing those success stories because it's about creating a best practice I suppose like a blueprint of mm. what does that look like so for our audience which is you know recruitment leaders and aspiring recruitment leaders so people you know still doing the desk job so to speak what if you could sort of pinpoint some of the key successes from that what what do you think they should be thinking about now as we sort of adapt to coming back to maybe a blended working environment because we're, we're looking at coming out of lockdown now yeah absolutely so the, the first thing is that people obviously adapted to be able to hire online and i think that that's obviously a phenomenal skill set to quickly overnight trust people enough that you go you never meet them you get from hiring attracting to onboarding and i think that that in its first phase was was excellent to see that happen but i think the next phase that will come out of it will be um you can already see people use it as competitive advantage. In other words, there are people who reluctantly work remotely and their culture is diminishing and actually they've still got a lot of work to do, whether they like it or not. And as you say, hybrid working is really tricky. I think hybrid working has got a challenge because you've got the people in the office who want to call a meeting and the people who are working remotely, you know, suddenly it can't become two different businesses. So yeah. all of that kind of blended management is, is probably one of the biggest areas that I think will be a challenge in 2021 and 22. So you'll see competitors start to poach people because yeah. they've chosen to go remote and they, those people don't want to be. It's happened to us personally. Yeah, we, we've had some honest conversation with people. But that is the way we're going and it's not going to come back anytime soon. So there's a lot of positives there, but I think that's where the challenge will be. And then managing things on top of that that were already there. And you mentioned yeah. that diversity, inclusion, whether you're talking about the culture, you know, everybody's talked for the last five years about how do you build a culture, ball pits, pool tables, all this sort of stuff. Well, obviously... None of that really matters, let's be honest, and we all knew that. But really kind of getting people's buy-in, um, getting communications right. So internal communication, asynchronous communication. So does a meeting really need to be a meeting? Could it be just a, a broadcast or a video or something like that? And then when it really does need to be a meeting, how do you make sure that there aren't five people in the office dominating the conversation when there's one person working remotely and that sort of stuff? So I've seen that secondhand with clients that we've got where that's obviously going on. Um, and then it's really looking at who's actually performing. So the actual attrition factors of mm. it's all well and good saying we adapted well to COVID, but what's the next world going to look like? And actually, if you've lost your culture and you do lose the best people, not the people perhaps you're okay to lose, then I think you're in a, a tricky situation where you might have to overhaul your culture completely. Yeah, in the next year or two, I think there'll be a lot of that. Um, We're already seeing that. We're already seeing that in the reasons that people are coming to talk to us who are still employed and know that they were fortunate to keep their jobs. You know, maybe they were furloughed at some point in 2020. Um, There's a disconnect on culture because, you know, how can you create a culture that's virtual, especially with the onboarding process? I agree with you totally. I think we've, you know, it's a leap in a faith. You know, you can have all the science and the psychometrics behind it. Um, but it's balancing that out, isn't it? With, you know, this is what people have to do to adapt. But going forward, I think everything that you've said there as an observation is already happening, certainly within our markets. It's interesting that it's then happening across your different sectors. And, you know, what, one of the things that I love about your story is that if I think back to that video you did a few years ago, the black and white one, where it was basically taking the absolute rip out of corporate world. And, you know, yeah. you, you, you've, you've done that from the start. And I think that it's, a it, you know, it was a very fresh approach. You know, you were probably one of the first recruitment companies to say, 
you know you were you were already you were doing flexible working years ago you know you had working parents you had to you know for you it was more about you know I've partnered you for a very long time so I think that's where you can sort of see the broader picture rather than it just being a sort of reaction to COVID this is as a strategy going forward you you need to make sure you've got something robust in place and I think hybrid is a to me is a positive word hybrid implies it's this unicorn and it's this incredible blend of things but actually it can, it, it can be quite a stressful person to manage you know you're a leader I'm a leader and at the moment trying to manage people remotely and keeping motivation and making sure the values are being matched and the the clients and customers are satisfied it's really daunting for leaders going forward that if this is how it's going to be it's I think it's much harder to manage a business remotely than it is when you're in an office with people well I know a lot of people say that 100% remote I think is quite manageable I think you've got lots of systems in place you can do that yeah. um, and 100% office based is okay it, like you say, hybrid is always a positive, but in this particular one, it's still a positive, but it is a, it's the hardest one of the lot, I think, yeah. to manage that well. Um, and also, if you're a business which relies on hiring a lot of grads or a lot of inexperienced people, yeah, how do you get like, incidental learning? How do you get, you know, apprentices on? You know, things that we've done ourselves, you know, where we've mm-hmm. hired people that have valued you know, the training they've received. Um, that just, it's going to be so hard to manage in a hybrid environment. I just don't know how, how that will work. Um, yeah. We learn through osmosis, don't we? We're, you know, we're we're in a human, we're a human, you know, we're we're human beings, and ultimately, you learn behaviours. I've been doing recruitment as long as you've been doing recruitment. I still learn by the things that I hear and the things that I've seen, and I want to be around other people. So I think, interestingly, you know, we should we should have this conversation in the middle of twenty twenty two and just see what actually happened. Because I think it will, whilst I think people will, some will want to work some of the week remotely, I think, I predict that we will go back as a sector recruitment anyway, to mainly being in, in the office, even if it's for, you know, the bulk of the week, because that's where you get your energy, it's where you get your productivity. And like you say, bringing through, so, you know, for succession planning, how on earth are you meant to bring through newbies if they're going to be remote all the time? So I think it's interesting. And you've, you've also got this amazing perspective having an HR practice with obviously Vanessa running it, your co-director and, and business partner and wife. And uh, you are the original couplepreneur. Um, so what, we talked very briefly there about diversity and inclusion. So from an HR perspective, from what you've seen across your industry and your clients, what what's going to be important for recruitment leaders to think about in terms of HR and looking after their employees and their team members. We interrupt this podcast episode of the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast to tell you about our amazing sponsor. Hoxo Media are the world's leading content recruitment marketing agency, specifically for the recruitment industry. And they currently work with over 250 recruitment agencies, including key recruitment and 3000 recruitment consultants to help them build out LinkedIn brands that then allow them to open up more opportunities by following a proven methodology every single day. Now, in 2021, the hugely successful Hoxo Academy, of which I was part of, is changing. And they've now launched an eight week personal brand launch programme which can now help you roll out this methodology across your business. The Hoxham Academy is aimed at helping traditional recruiters, of which I am one, who rely on outbound calls to attract clients and candidates equally. Now, very often traditional recruiters actually lack the knowledge of how to best use LinkedIn, other than maybe posting jobs, you know, every few days, 
but then struggling with ideas and original content and also just confidence in terms of what to produce and how to produce valuable content. Now we're living in a post-COVID world and we all know now that the world is truly digital. The modern recruiter needs to be equipped and have a unique and consistent LinkedIn presence that offers value to their community and drives opportunities inbound. The Hoxo Academy helps every recruiter in the recruitment agency that becomes part of the academy and helps every recruiter achieve this in just eight weeks, enrolling new cohorts of training at the start of each calendar month. So this is an exclusive deal for you, our listener. The Recruiters Recruitment Podcast is so proud to be sponsored by Hoxo Academy that the deal is amazing for the first 50 customers in 2021. They are offering you the chance to enroll unlimited users on this program for 12 months at no extra cost. So whether you're listening to this and you've got a team of 15 or a team of 500 and you're looking to hire more during 2021, you can rest assured that they will all get this training that they then need to build out their brand that wins business on LinkedIn. So please click on the link attached to this episode or alternatively DM me to find out how your agency can join this incredible programme. And having been a cohort member myself and a graduate of the Academy at the end of 2020, I'm really proud to advocate this phenomenal and really, I think, business critical academy for every recruiter who wants to get the best out of LinkedIn and ensure that they also become inbound. Thank you for listening to this message. Enjoy the rest of the episode and do get in touch for more details. Well, you talk, you're very right to say diversity inclusion, but I think it's wider than that. I think it's, it's engagement across the piece, um, both externally for the people you're hiring and onboarding, but obviously the people you already have. So, um, in a business that will have probably transformed anyway over the last year or two, um, you, you're back to very strong internal communications, very strong look at the leadership team. So we're doing quite a lot of leadership team hiring very senior roles, which is because the business needs have totally changed. So of course, the MD might change, therefore the HR team might be working through the whole transformation. So it's all the kind of, I don't think the issues have necessarily changed. I just think the, the way they need to be managed, the pace they need to be managed to make sure um, they achieve their business goals has probably put HR for the first time for me anyway as a very strategic role at the top of a board table whereas I think if you spoke to most HR directors five years ago no matter how strong that individual was there was always a feeling of justifying their position and perhaps having to justify their place on the board um, I think that's probably the biggest change for an HRD that I've seen in the last couple of years um, but I don't think there'd be any surprises to um, what the, what their sort of day-to-day challenges are. I think it is, yeah, it's transformational issues. It's making sure that they're on point. As you say, diversity, inclusion. The, the biggest question I've been asked, and I don't think it's related to COVID, but in the last 12 months, is how do we proactively change our hiring strategy to ensure that diversity, inclusion is actually put right at the forefront? Mm-hmm. In other words, you know, people who are um, trying to put in a proactive recruitment process for the first time, rather than make it just part of their overall HR strategy. So... That's interesting. And as a result of that, I've seen several consultancies pop up who work with, who actually that's all they do. Diversity, inclusion, monitoring, um, culture monitoring, 
you know, private lines for people to be able to access to give feedback mm. um, about how they're being managed um, and confidential data analysis about, you know, the interviewers and, and how they manage that process. Very good. So, it's brilliant. It's isn't very it? you, wouldn't have, you wouldn't have predicted that. And what about mental well-being as well? Because that's obviously something that you and I we off sort of offline, you know, in terms of the fresh walks, you know, looking after yourself food you know being being mindful that we've all gone through a very stressful very very stressful time and we're not through that yet so where do you think that sits within hr and in hiring well i just said that was top of the agenda a couple of years ago uh, well-being but i think in terms of how it can be implemented we've probably been given more open goals as to how that can be done quickly now um yeah. i think there was still an element and you use fresh thoughts i'll stick with that as an example it's something i love um you know hiking getting out in the fresh air I'd, I'd mix with people of all levels, all ages who go on the walks. And one thing I always heard, which I always felt was a bit sad, was, well, that's probably anyone who'll go on this year because really I can't justify that time out of the office. My boss will probably frown upon it unless I can bring return on investment. And you sort of think it's not really about return on investment, it's about well being. Um, and yet I get the fact that having been an employee, you can't always just swan out of the office when you want and say, I'll make up the time yeah. as you and I can, sort of thing, because we know we will do. But um, now I don't think that matters. You know, most people have got at least an hour or two a day back off the commute they can use it how they want and I do genuinely think most people that are decent who run a business now do get the fact that, that mental well-being physical well-being is a huge issue particularly as people work from home and they're probably able to manage more issues on top of that and home parenting and yeah we're going to come on to that yeah it's, it's no longer stigmatized is it and I think you know we're we're both from sort of the old school and I've just done the sort of inverted commas in the fact that it was probably frowned upon if you admitted you had any stress or anxiety whereas it's you know i i do agree with what you're saying i think that you know why what, what do you mean you're going on a walk for three hours in the middle of the day well hang on a second i was up at seven in the morning and i'll be back on at seven at night so does it really matter so i think that's yeah, what for me a positive thing that's shifted over the last year that people have probably worked around the clock which is also detrimental of course to their mental well-being well, I've joked that I've actually, I'm not going to say which company or which person, that's for sure. But at one point in my career, I've worked with a boss who was actually very amusing to work with and I enjoyed their company. But um, there was one point where they would literally prod their team every day because they felt it was too relaxed, too happy. And they wanted to make make sure there's enough levels of stress in that in that team. Right. <laughs> so I joked with my team and said that I've worked in that environment and uh, didn't yeah. mind it, actually. No, what are you, like, what, what are you doing talking about Coronation Street or whatever you're watching? I like, get on the phone. So, yeah, I think when you've worked on that, but, you know, our, our stress levels have definitely gone on a different place. And speaking of which, homeschooling. So you are a couplepreneur, yourself and, and Vanessa, and, and you've obviously got daughters very similar age to mine. As we record this, we're still homeschooling, but, of course, when this comes out as a, as a live broadcast, I'm hoping that I've been back in school a while. Let's hope so anyway. But how have you... It's really important because, you know, it's the first time it's ever happened where we're all in the same boat with it. But how have you managed you as parents to still manage a business and then the people that you've got working for you that have had to juggle it? How, how have you coped with that? It's funny you should say that because at times I've felt it's been really enjoyable and that actually it's really brought the family together. So yeah. I feel a bit of a fraud saying it was really difficult. And then more recently, when you'd have thought we've got used to it, it's actually been the hardest of the lot. So, um I look at it and think, well, firstly, we're blessed on where we live, the, the, the environment, the setting. And I don't just mean where I personally live, but in England, I think we've yeah. got a great setting. Mm -hmm. We sometimes forget. Um, but yeah, balancing it is very, very odd. And I think it's, it's probably feeling sorry for the children more than, than, than ourselves. Um, so the first one, we just let them get away with it. And I don't know if this won't be shown to their school teachers, but the, the, the kind of provision of education was so poor that we just thought, do you know what, this is going to create too much stress. 
it's nice weather just yeah. as long as you do exercise cooking whatever you want to do but you just can't sit on your phone all day um and then it's probably been taken more and more seriously so but yeah i think i look at people who who work for me and i look at people who, who are we deal with as clients and candidates and i really feel sorry for some people i know some people have got a two-hour commute still mm. and they've got kids the same age as you and i um but they've got a two-hour commute start and end of the day and they're having to split that as a couple and one's working from home sort of but having to go in the office now and again and so there's people in far worse situations, single parents in the centre of Manchester, in a one-bedroom or two-bedroom flat sort of thing, mm. no garden. So those are the people that really, you know, who you know, the government hopefully will look after that, that need real provision post this. It's not really the likes, I dare say it, probably of you and I. I think it's people who need to be properly looked after. You know, the tech was a really, you know, we were fortunate if we had a load of excess uh, laptops so we gave that to a charity Amazing. the thought of the child who can't actually work because they haven't got a computer it's just you know it's 2021 what are we doing so i know i agree with you totally that i mean i'm i'm i bring my daughter that, that you know there is there's always going to be people worse off than you and you're very privileged and you're very lucky so no it's, it's really good to hear that and you know none of us came out into this wanting to be teachers and i'm coming out of this knowing i'll never be a teacher um i've just gone back to being one. Back on day one yeah Definitely. I'm, I'm definitely a better recruiter, better recruiter than I'm a teacher. No, it's really good. Okay. And, I, and again, I think that's where I really wanted to ask you that question, because I think we, we can, we've all afforded the vulnerability now to say, look, we, we, it has been really challenging. And just think about how brilliant it's going to feel when they're all back in school and we can all actually do our job, even if we can't go back into the office just yet. It's just going to feel fabulous. And, isn't it? and they're buzzing as well. Our two are absolutely buzzing about the fact they're going back. So I'm chuffed for them as well. So. They just can't wait. It's, it's, do you remember the, the Julie Donaldson book, Squash and a Squeeze? It's only when yeah. you actually, well, although it's the reverse, obviously she has a house full of animals and then realises how big her house actually is. And I feel that they would never have appreciated school if it wasn't for this experience. Yeah, my, my two, believe it or not, can't wait to go back. So, oh, well, let's hope that's the case when this gets broadcast live. Thank you so much. We'll make Good. sure that everybody's got links for your Future of Work series. And I think we'll link to Fresh Walks as well, because I do think it's a brilliant, brilliant, um, yeah. initiative for people to get out and mingle and network and we'll just go and have some great walks so thank you so much for joining me today really thank you thanks it. for having me really Take appreciate care. it thanks Alicia bye